This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. San Diego Food System Alliance is a nonprofit collaborative that brings together businesses, nonprofit organizations, government, local farmers and fishermen, and interested and passionate community members to create a good food landscape for San Diego County. Throughout this podcast, we'll be exploring what good food means to us and how together we're working towards a good food future for our community. Welcome. My name is Shannon Pavel. I am the Development and Communications Manager for the San Diego Food System Alliance. We are a nonprofit collaborative working to cultivate a good food future for San Diego County. Um, I'm really excited. This is our second episode and happy to be back at Specialty Produce. We have some really great guests here with me today. Um, But since this is only our second episode, I'd like to start by sharing a little bit about what good food means to us. So we all know good food should be nourishing and healing for the body. Good food is affordable and accessible to everyone. Uh, We believe that good food values individuals that are growing and producing our food. Good food values every ingredient to its fullest potential. And good food is knowing your local food providers and where your food is coming from. So for this podcast, we're focusing on access to good food. So September is Hunger Awareness Month, and today I have some hunger experts here with me to shed light on food insecurity in our community. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about the work being done and really share how um, we as individuals can make a difference. So I'd like to introduce Yanira Frias from Community Resource Center. Uh, Yanira is the Food and Nutrition Program Manager who oversees the food programs and operations and distribution of food at CRC, um, Community Resource Center. Um, Welcome, Yanira. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I'm also really excited to have Amanda Schultz-Brochu, Senior Director of CalFresh and Advocacy for the San Diego Hunger Coalition here with me. Um, In her role, Amanda develops partnerships to connect with San Diego's most hard-to-reach food insecure populations, and she's leading the Hunger Coalition efforts to improve access to food and really increase utilization of the federal nutrition assistance programs. Um, So thank you so much for being here, Amanda. Sure. Thank you for having me. So we're coming to the end of Hunger Awareness Month, um, but this is obviously something that we are dealing with year-round. So I'd like to start by just giving you both the opportunity to give an overview of your organizations and the roles that they play in the community. Um, I know that the Hunger Coalition and CRC are both doing really great work to address food insecurity specifically, um, but going about it in very different ways. So I'm curious to hear more. Sure, absolutely. Well, I can get us started and share a little bit about the Hunger Coalition. Uh, The San Diego Hunger Coalition was actually founded in 1974, Uh, by a group of volunteers that were interested in addressing hunger in the region. 
And they started by coordinating local food drives um, and were ultimately a key player in starting the region's first food bank in 1977. Um, so the Hunger Coalition remained volunteer-run until about 2006, but slowly started to shift our focus towards federal nutrition programs. Um, and the organization did that because we saw that federal nutrition programs were extremely underutilized in the region and we also saw the potential that programs could have in providing consistent and expanded access to food to literally hundreds and thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of low-income adults and children in San Diego County. So today, the Hunger Coalition focuses on leading coordinated action to end hunger in San Diego County through research, education, and advocacy. Most of that work means that we're supporting other nonprofits and government organizations to develop new ways of doing business. Uh, we research where the needs and opportunities are. And we work with our food assistance community to develop new ways to connect food to people who need it. And then we work to improve the laws that decide who gets food assistance and, and how they can get it. So our goal is really to ensure that everyone who needs food can get it and that they can do so in a way that's dignified. The Hunger Coalition convenes multiple tables across the county uh, where more than 100 community-based organizations can connect and work together to address food insecurity. Uh, Hunger Free San Diego is a table that brings together stakeholders from across the county to better understand the landscape and of food assistance. Uh, the gaps, and the opportunities to scale up and meet the existing needs. We also have the CalFresh and Hunger-Free Task Forces, Hunger-Free Kids Task Forces, excuse me, that bring together community-based organizations like food banks, pantries, health clinics, school districts and colleges, and social service agencies to learn more about federal program updates, develop collaborative partnerships, and identify opportunities to strengthen local implementation of CalFresh and school meal programs. And then finally, we have the Hunger Advocacy Network, and that's a table of nonprofit organizations that have a vested interest in ensuring that elected officials representing us in city, state, and federal government understand both how um, food, hunger and food insecurity affect their communities and constituents, and we also work to make sure that policies are passed at the state and federal levels to increase access to food assistance for San Diegans and Californians. Um, an example of that of the work of the Hunger Advocacy Network was involved in this year was providing local support to a bill, AB 1871 Bonta, that will ensure all children, including those attending charter schools, Will have access to free and reduced price meals. And we just found out that um, Governor Brown signed that legislation um, yesterday. So we're super excited about that um, and are really excited that all of our community partners were able to come forward and, and work to make that, that change. Um, so for more information or to become involved in any of the tables we convene, listeners can visit our website at sdhunger.org. Um, in addition to those collaborative tables, the Hunger Coalition also provides... Um, federal CalFresh application assistance funding to 14 different organizations across the county. And we help, um, through those organizations, we help more than 20,000 San Diegans in annually in receiving or maintaining their CalFresh benefits. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. And congratulations about Governor Brown signing that bill. That's so exciting. That's going to be a really great thing. So 
Um, so the Hunger Coalition obviously takes a really high-level approach, and CRC is a little bit different. So I'm curious to hear you, Nira, how you guys address this and kind of an overview of your organization. Absolutely. Uh, a group of community and business leaders came together after seeing so many people in need in the community to form an organization addressing homelessness and food issues in the community, forming the Community Resource Center. Uh, we were established in 1979. CRC has grown to form providing basic needs for families in crisis to offering extensive programs um, in the county of San Diego. And a provider of integrative services, CRC's programs included domestic violence and emergency shelter, a hotline and prevention education outreach, the Therapeutic Children's Center, professional counseling, uh, legal advocacy, and the Food and Nutrition Distribution Center. Oh, also, homeless prevention, rental, and housing assistance. All of CRC's programs are designed to assist par- participants to successfully navigate um, towards paths of safety, stability, and self-sufficiency. Um, and I'll get into a little bit about our food programs. So our Food and Nutrition Center houses several food pr- programs. We offer participants a dignified shopping experience where they get to select their own food staples along with fresh foods. We participate in a fresh rescue program through our partnerships with the San Diego Food Bank and Feeding San Diego that really allows us to pick up perishable donations like fresh fruits and vegetables, meat, dairy products from local grocery stores Monday through Friday. We collect around 540,000 pounds of fresh rescue food a year. Uh, Perhaps you might think that these items are in bad shape or spoiled because why else would a grocery store be giving them away, right? But that couldn't be any more untrue. These items are actually in really great shape. They're unmarketable but completely safe and edible. I'm talking about fresh um, and really beautiful fruits and vegetables, specialty items like caviar, kombucha, and these reason. The, this is the reason why some grocery stores donate these items is because uh, perhaps they have surplus inventory of a particular item or the apples and bananas aren't pretty enough, maybe a couple bruises or scratches um, to be able to sit on display in the grocery store. So over 70 billion pounds of food is wasted in the U.S. every year, and about 480,000 San Diegans struggle with hunger. There's no reason why we shouldn't be rescuing all the food that we can to nourish our vulnerable and food-insecure folks in San Diego. Uh, We have several supplemental food programs at CRC. Participants will come in and we will set them up with the food program that meets their needs the best um, and the ones that they desire to access. Uh, I'll explain a little bit more about our Breadline program, which can be accessed on a daily basis. It's designed to fulfill a meal for the morning um, or a light lunch, usually about three to four produce items, uh, three to four bread items, a beverage, and usually a ready-to-eat item like a sandwich or a salad. Our participants in this program are typically homeless or a household of one to two. And this distribution is set up like a walk-up window where participants walk up um, to the door and a volunteer is there to greet them and assist them to select their items of preference. Typically, we see around 100 participants in this program on a monthly basis. We also have a food distribution program, and this is our afternoon program. This is set up for participants who are either senior, disabled, or currently working with a CRC case manager. And participants can shop through our pantry and get the groceries that they would like on a weekly or a monthly basis. It's kind of set up like a grocery store with pantry shelves full of dry um, and canned goods in addition to perishable food items. 
Our pantry op- operates on a point-based system where depending on the income and the household size of our participants, um, that is what's allocated uh, to them to be able to shop through. So our pantry items are assigned a point value. With our more nutritious items priced at a lower point value and our less nutritious items priced at a higher point value. For example, a can of corn uh, might be one point and some maybe cake mix might be priced at three points. Of course, we would never want to take um, cake mix from a family or whatnot. We want them to be able to access that. Perhaps they have a kiddo's birthday coming up, but we just price them a little bit higher um, just to incentivize really offering those healthier foods at a lower point value so they can get more for their back. Our fresh rescue items are all free of points. Uh, these are the ones that we pick up from the local grocery stores and are perishable. And that allotment really depends on the household size. So typically a participant uh, that comes in and shops through our food pantry walks out with about 40 pounds of food and about two personal care items. So that's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, because these items are equally as important to our participants. We will see about 300 participants on a monthly basis with this program. Uh, So with both programs combined, we see around 1,000 participants um, or visits a month. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Congratulations for the great work that you guys are doing. And um, both of you, your organizations are doing great things, again, in a very different way, but both are very needed. Um, I want to take a step back and look at the challenges of food insecurity for our community. So for those who may not know how prevalent this is, Amanda, can you share a little bit about what this looks like in San Diego County, um, maybe some of the biggest contributing factors? Sure, yeah. So uh, when we talk about food insecurity, we're talking about an, an individual person or a household's uh, inability to access enough food. So based on data that was collected, the San Diego Hunger Coalition estimates that 486,000 or one in seven people in San Diego County experienced food insecurity in 2016. Uh, When we look at the number of children that have experienced food insecurity, that percentage actually rises to one in five children in San Diego County not having enough or not having access to enough food. So to put these numbers into perspective, there are more people in San Diego County that are struggling with getting enough food to eat than live in the cities of Vista, Escondido, San Marcos, and Carlsbad combined. Um, there are no, I mean, when we think about contributing factors, there are a number of factors that impact food insecurity or a person's ability to, to get enough food. But one of the largest challenges that's really unique to our area Um, that I think a lot of us are already familiar with is the incredibly high cost of living. Um, So in an area that is currently experiencing an affordable housing crisis, more and more families are having to make really difficult decisions about whether to maintain a roof over their head or put food on the table. We also know that there are other areas of rising costs. So San Diego County has one of the highest cost of living in the nation. Um, at the same time, our nation is really struggling with um, rising costs of health care in particular. So we, we know that this issue really impacts a variety of different groups of individuals. Um, unfortunately, we see senior populations that are, are really having to make tough decisions between whether they're buying, purchasing their prescriptions or they're going out and buying food to eat that day. Yeah, we all, um, I think we all feel the high cost of living here in San Diego. And 
in just a moment, I'll, I'll ask a little more about root causes because I think that's a, an important factor. But I also want to give Yanira the chance to talk about what hunger looks like on a day-to-day level, kind of what are the faces. And I know that it's not often who we expect. Like Amanda said, one in five children in San Diego are food insecure. Um, I think that's just a shocking statistic that we don't always realize. So I'd love to hear from you kind of who you're seeing come into um, the Community Resource Center. Right. So food insecurity affects all types of people, and you definitely can't just tell by looking at someone. A number of those uh, served by our food pantry are seniors who are on a fixed income. Many seniors may receive retirement or SSI and maybe 800 and 900 a month, which leaves virtually no money for food. Many live with adult children and use the food they receive as a way to contribute to the household. We also have a number of individuals who access our food pantry because while they may have an income or another food security resource, it's not enough and doesn't keep the family fed or doesn't allow for enough money to buy the more nutritious food items that typically cost more to purchase. Uh, we also serve families four, five, six, um, households of four, five, or six, and who are experiencing homelessness, who may be living in their cars outside in a motel, and their ability to cook foods and the types of foods they can eat may look very different than those who are housed and are experiencing food insecurity. We have a homeless couple, actually, who are both teachers. They access our food pantry specifically for the fruits and vegetables because they don't have access to cooking facilities And many of the hot food options that they have are typically uh, sodium-filled fast foods. And they want to really make sure that they're offsetting some of the unhealthy foods uh, with some that provide nutrition, real nutrition. I think that's an important point of, you know, we want to make sure that people have access to food, of course, but we also want to make sure that it's healthy food, right? We don't want fast food to be doing more damage than good and making sure that all, all residents in San Diego have access to healthy, affordable, and culturally appropriate food. I know that that's something that all three of our organizations are working on. So I'd like to go back um, to talking a little bit more about root causes. Ultimately, the goal is to eliminate hunger altogether. And how do your organizations do more than just feed people? How are you guys looking at root causes and, um, and addressing it that way? Yeah, so I feel like this is a fantastic question and probably one we could spend an entire podcast (laughs) talking about. (laughs) (laughs) There are a number of social and economic determinants that contribute to and perpetuate people's inability to purchase food. Um, Among them are limited access to education and employment that provides a living wage, uh, high costs of living, which include the rising costs of housing and food, Um, But perhaps the most enduring root causes of food insecurity in the U.S. are racial, ethnic, and class-based inequalities that span generations. Um, Inequality has been deeply entrenched in our nation's policies and practices throughout our history. And this inequality has really created a, a divide in the accumulation of wealth, including savings, home, or business equity that historically advantages some populations while disadvantaging others. Low-income people, people of color, women, um, single mothers, people with disabilities, and other disenfranchised groups are more likely to experience food insecurity because of this intergenerational inequality. So we recognize that while these 
these issues are larger than the work that we're able to accomplish on our own, it's really critical for us to be working collaboratively with organizations that are uh, focusing on these issues directly. So one example of our intersectional approach to this work is, is the Hunger Coalition's work around immigration and food security. So we've really taken a multifaceted approach to addressing this issue, partnering with the ACLU and Alliance San Diego groups that are um, focused squarely on immigration issues to develop a food security and immigration materials for our community-based organizations, hosting a lunch and learn for nonprofits related to their uh, rights and how they can protect the rights of, of the individuals that they're serving Um, and particularly around issues related to immigration and customs enforcement. Uh, And then we also, at the federal level and around advocacy, we coordinated more than 25 public comments throughout the region against proposed federal changes to regulations that would make it more difficult for legal permanent residents to access public assistance. So another example of this intersectional approach is the work that we're doing to integrate food security into healthcare settings. So this is really a move by the healthcare system to move upstream and address social determinants of health, and and we couldn't be happier to be a part of those conversations. So we realize that systemic challenges require systemic solutions, and and at the Hunger Coalition, we want to hold space for the development of those solutions. I love that. Um, The San Diego Food System Alliance is really, you know, working towards the same things and looking at these systemic solutions and not just for hunger, but for the Food System Alliance, really for the entire food system. So I love that our our organizations work so closely together to address these really, really challenging issues. Uh, Yanira, so do you want to go ahead and share a little bit about CRC, how you guys are addressing the root causes? Obviously, you're doing a lot of work around feeding people, um, but what what else can we do that really gets to this underlying issue? Yeah, so just to shout a little bit about what Amanda was talking about. So some root causes are deeply embedded, stemming from previous or current life traumas, with it, which then perpetuates um, life hardships. So poverty is frequently cited as the root of food insecurity. In the United States, low-income households are much more likely to be food insecure. Unemployment, low wages... Physical and mental illness and other burdens can make it difficult to obtain adequate nutritious food, particularly when food budgets must compete with other priorities, such as housing, medical, child care costs. Food insecure households may face greater health risks. It has been leaked to obesity, diabetes, nutrition deficiencies, low fruit and vegetable intake, and other indicators of unhealthy diets. So at CRC, we don't just send off our folks with food um, and have them be on their way. We we make sure that we play a large role in their path towards self-sufficiency. We connect them with our CRC case managers and counselors so that they can work one-on-one with them to set up and work towards reaching uh, self-set goals like employment, housing, education, therapy that will put them on the right path to self-reliance, supporting and providing safety for themselves and for their families as well. Uh, additionally, when I first started working at CRC, I felt there was a need to expand on nutrition services. So I thought of creating a program that really allowed our participants to have access to a nutrition professional for nutrition consulting. And it just happened to be that one of our volunteers is a registered dietitian. So a light bulb went off in my head and said, of course. So I asked her if she would be willing to consult our participants. And well, this new program was born. And now we have a nutrition consultation program at CRC. 
And our registered dietitian meets with our participants one-on-one um, from up to 30 minutes to up to two hours addressing diet, physical activity, overall well-being. And the concerts are really designed to focus on the participants' personal needs and concerns. It's really important to me that this program where participants, we had a program where participants felt comfortable. Um, they felt comfortable coming in with the groceries that they actually received in the Food and Nutrition Center and asked questions about the food items they selected. Um, recipes that they could create at home, personal health goals that they wanted to meet. The program really does allow for conversation and allows us to look deeper into some of the root causes of food insecurity and malnourishment. And in just last week, we completed our 50th nutrition consultation. So that was a win for us. And a lot of our participants come on on a weekly basis. And once we see them, we see them again. And we really love to be able to offer a comfortable environment and have that one-on-one consultation with them to be able to help them reach their health goals. That's great. Good for you for really taking the initiative in creating a program to meet a need that you saw for your population. It sounds like that's going to really take off. So congratulations. So we are nearing the end of Hunger Awareness Month, and I wanted to ask Amanda, because I know you guys have a campaign going on, wanted to hear a little bit about that. What do you want to leave people with, knowing that this isn't something that you know we should think about once a month, but really all year round? Sure. Yeah, I think the largest thing that that we hope that people walk away with is an understanding that hunger and food insecurity impact all of us. Uh, There is a statistic that I learned about when I first started this work and has stuck with me that nearly half of us will experience hunger at some point in our lives. And whether we know it or not, many of those close to us have also struggled with getting enough food to eat. And they say that the things that we focus our attention on are, are the things that get done. So I really challenge each of us to spend some time paying attention to those around us that are struggling to make ends meet, including putting food on the table, uh, and take actions, whether they're small or large, to begin bridging that gap. So listeners that are interested in learning more and becoming involved with us can visit our website at sdhunger.org or look for us on social media. You can check us out on Twitter and check out the movement at Hunger Free SD. If you'd like to help us advocate for local, state, or federal changes, you can sign up to become what is called the Hunger Free Activist. So you can come out um, with us to community events or attend legislative visits, and you can sign up to be an activist on our Take Action webpage. Love that. Thanks, Amanda. And I want to go back to this startling statistic because I just think it's so worthwhile um, that nearly half of us will experience hunger at some point in our lives. And I think to be aware of those around us because it's not always who we expect, I think that's such an important thing to remember that we all should be doing our part in making sure that we're reducing hunger in our community. Um, and Yanira, so what um, what kind of op- opportunities do you have to get involved, um, how? what are kind of your call to actions around this issue? Sure. Uh, we have plenty of opportunities to get involved at CRC. So volunteering in our Food and Nutrition Center is a really great way to give your time so that we can help keep our food assistance programs operating and running and keep our, assisting our participants on a daily basis. We have over 100 volunteers that donate their time each week. Um, additionally, community groups, churches, schools, and other organizations put together fun 
food and personal care drives that benefit our food pantry and help stock our shelves so that our participants can keep on coming um, on a weekly or a monthly or a daily basis. Currently, we have a fill the cart campaign. So 400 carts of food can help feed 400 families and hungry households. And thanks to our bulk purchasing power, a monetary gift uh, can have a big impact for our individuals and families in need in our community. For example, $25 can help um, us buy 35 containers of oatmeal, or $50 can help us buy 70 cans of chicken or tuna. Um, and at times, monetary donations versus physical donations go a long way. With dollars, we're able to purchase more food um, that we know is in great shape for consumption. You know, at times when we're cleaning out our pantries, sometimes it's forgotten that uh, when we start to purge out uh, whatever we're pulling aside to donate, we'll actually be going to an end user. So this is an item that um, a human will actually be consuming. So just something to be mindful when we clean our pantries from time to time is that these are items that are actually going to families, and they would love to enjoy these as well. So if you'd like to learn more about CRC, how to get involved, just visit crcncc.org. Great. A lot of opportunities uh, for the community to get involved, build awareness, donate food, donate money. All of these are really great. So thank you both for sharing. And I want to just thank you ladies for joining me today in discussing this really meaningful topic. Uh, for our listeners, again, if you're interested in learning more about these organizations, you can find them online. The Hunger Coalition is sdhunger.org. Is that right, Amanda? Yeah. Okay, perfect. And then CRC Community Resource Center is at crcncc.org. Um, if you want to get more involved in tackling this issue, the San Diego Food System Alliance also facilitates a monthly Healthy Food Access Working Group meeting uh, with the goal of really making sure that all San Diegans have access to healthy, affordable, and culturally appropriate foods like we talked about earlier. So feel free to check that out on our website, www.sdfsa.org. Um, our working group meetings are open to anyone who's interested, and it's a really great way to get involved. Please stay tuned for our episode next month. We'll be talking about urban agriculture and the benefits of having some lovely green spaces in our cities. So look forward to seeing you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please find us on iTunes or SoundCloud and rate our podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the San Diego Food System Alliance, you can find us on our website, www.sdfsa.org, or find us on social media at sdfoodsys. That's F-O-O-D-S-Y-S. I also want to thank Specialty Produce for hosting us today. Now go out and enjoy some good food in San Diego. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.